0: Listen to Finance Dave with Financial Matters, sponsored by Mark Bishop Associates, where it's never about how much but how well.
1: Hi there, listeners. Welcome to another Financial Matters session with me, Finance Dave, on our very own UGN Jams Urban Gospel Network radio. Thanks for joining us today on Financial Matters. This is your monthly financial show where each month I shall be exploring and addressing. Some of the financial matters that impact and affect our daily lives and as usual address some of your financial question so that's financial matters menu for today's session and each month that we meet here on our very own UGN jams urban gospel network radio before we start today's session i'll just give you a few moments to get into the zone and get ready and to get a pen and some paper handy to make a few notes from what I can assure you, it's going to be an exciting session. Wow, this is taking me back to those days in the classroom and lecture theatres. So let's kick off today's session. And I'll give you an insight into the session with three letters, L-P-A. LPA stands for Lasting Power of Attorney. And today, I just want to share with you the importance of a lasting power of attorney. And why is that? You may be asking yourself, what is an LPA? Well, as the show goes through, it'll become quite clear to you. Firstly, I regard LPAs as the poor cousins to a will, because everybody seems to know about a will, yet the same cannot be said about its equally important cousin, LPA. Secondly, as going through this pandemic, I've come across so many people and so many cases who have learnt about LPAs the very hard and tough way. And I'll share that with you as we go through the session today. And thirdly, I think it's one of the essential tools which we should all have in our financial planning toolbox because it is as important, if not more so than a will. Why does Financial Dave say that? Well, a will is essentially a financial planning tool because we all know that death will arrive one day. That is one of life's certainties. Yes, a certainty that one day will go. The only other certainty in life is tax. Yes, good old tax. However, an LPA is for life's uncertainties, things that may not happen, but we need to plan for just in case. The thing about an LPA that's uncertainty is, I mean, the loss of capacity and you're thinking loss of capacity, what on earth is that? Yes, that's the day when you are un- will be unable to make a decision for yourself. And we all hope that day's a long way off or at best it never arrives. That sad day when you are diagnosed with a loss of mental capacity and you can no longer do those things that you used to do. Put on your socks, brush your teeth, change your clothes, sign for cheque, make money transfer, all those things we take for granted, one day we may be not able to do so. To put this in context, some one million people in UK will have dementia by 2025. Yes, that's in five years time. One million people in UK will have dementia by 2025. Now that I've grabbed your attention, let's explore this or these three letters LPA, Lasting Power of Attorney. I'll do so today, not through a usual lecture where I just ramble on endlessly. I want us to go on a journey with LPA and we're better to start than with a story. This is a story that some of you may have heard before. I will let you decide for yourself. This is a story about Clarissa and Marcus, a happily married couple with their two children, Pearl and Gus, living in a place we call Utopia. And in Utopia, life is great and the family have no cares. But one day, Marcus, the husband, was out networking and he was introduced to Maxine, an accountant, specialising in helping people Planned for the futures just like myself here at Marcus Bishop Associates. Marcus invited Maxine to the family home because he was quite enjoying what Clarissa had, quite enjoying what Maxine had been saying to him about what she does for people. So, he he brought her home to meet his wife Clarissa. Um, when they were home, Maxine, following the introductions, asked the couple. What would happen if either of you were unable to make a decision? Sounds strange. i said it again. What would happen if either of you were unable to make a decision tomorrow? What kind of question is that? Said Marcus. Well, Maxine said, a genuine one and a real one. Well, if either of us were unable to make a decision, we have each other, said Clarissa. That's good, said Maxine, but you know, that's not always the case. And she began to introduce a couple to a better protection method, namely the lasting power of attorney. Just in case you just tuned in, I just want to remind you that you are tuning in to UGN Jam's Urban Gospel Network Radio with me, Financial Dave, on financial matters. And this month, I'm talking to you about all important three letters lpa lasting power of attorney so i return to our story Maxine had just settled down to explain to the couple about the lpa and she continued a lasting power of attorney is a legal document that allows you to appoint one or more persons to look after you or make decisions for you when you can't make decisions on your own And these people are called attorneys. They are not necessarily legally qualified people. I will explore this a bit more. She told a couple, do you know, there are two LPAs, health and wellbeing and property and finances. They both do different things or they both allow your attorneys to do different things for you. So they're both important. The health and welfare one allows your attorney to make decisions for you about things like your daily routine, washing, dressing you, what you eat, your medical care, moving you into or out of a care home, so where you live, and sometimes the more important thing of life-sustaining treatment. That's quite different though from the property and financial lasting power of attorney. is more focused on your financial matters, such as managing your bank account, paying bills on your behalf, collecting your benefits for you, or withdrawing money with your card from the bank or building society or other financial institution. So they are two different things. Also, they come into play at different times. The health and welfare LPA can only be used when you have not got capacity to make your own decision. That means when you are unable to make that decision yourself. However, the property and financial LPA can be used as soon as it's registered. And I'll come back to registered later on, Maxine said. However, it's best always to only activate your property and financial lpa when you have lost capacity so until then you've been charge of your own finances Um, i've mentioned this word attorney and you're thinking who is your attorney or who can be my attorney maxine said well your attorney needs to be somebody who's 18 or over and to be quite clear it may be a legalistic term but an attorney does not have to be somebody who is legally qualified. Your attorney can be a relative or a friend, or they can be your solicitor. They can be your husband, your wife, or your partner. All you do, you appoint someone who has many capacity, who will be able to make decisions for you when you cannot. Equally true, your attorney doesn't need to live in the UK or be a British citizen but sometimes because of practicality, it may be more helpful if they are. And also, your attorneys can act either separately or together, which means they can make decisions on their own or separately. So we have your attorney, and I did mention before they were registered, Maxine says. Well, your LPA, your lasting power of attorney, being a legal document has to be registered with the Office of Public Guardian. So therefore, it's there somewhere where someone can go back to and check. So if either of you found yourself unable to make a decisions for yourself, and I don't mean, cannot be bothered, Maxine says, I mean, if either of you were diagnosed, sadly, with a loss of your mental capacity, Um, you can put in place a lasting power of attorney. Just as Maxine was finishing, at this point, the couple sprang into life and sat up almost as though synchronised and they began to build their barriers by firing off what I would call common misconceptions about LPAs. We don't need an LPA because I am fit and healthy or we're fit and healthy. We don't need an LPA because we have a will anyway our family will look after us so why do we need an LPA also two LPAs why do we have two LPAs and we have a joint bank account so we're okay well Maxine listened and after they finished their fifth attempt at barrier building she quietly took over and down their barriers one at a time. We don't need an LPA because I'm fit and healthy. That's quite true, Maxine says. Your, individuals, your individual circumstances can change in an instant. People lose mental capacity for many different reasons, including accidents. Remember Michael Schumacher? Strokes and heart attack. So rather than waiting, until you are losing capacity to make an LPA, it makes sense to do so when you are still able to understand and sign a document yourself. Don't leave it until the moment an LPA is needed to put it in place, as that could be too late. You have a will, sure, you do have a will. Well, a will is a document that's important for you at death. When you die, a will allows your beneficiaries no, I lie. It allows your executives to deal with your matters and put things in place for you. Whereas an LPA deals with what happens to you if you can no longer make decisions for yourself while you're still alive. As such, they are very different, important documents that deal with different circumstances. A will deals with certainty. Lasting power of attorneys deals with uncertainties. Both documents are needed to protect you and your assets. Ah, you say our family look after us. Oh, even if your loved ones all agree on how best to look after your finances and health. And this is often not the case, I will add. It can be hugely stressful for them if they don't know what your wishes are. An LPA reduces the likelihood of disagreements between those who are closest to you and gives them the confidence that they're doing what you would wish. For example, you can decide whether your attorney has the power to accept or refuse life-sustaining treatment on your behalf or set out what you'd want. Why two LPAs? I'll address this one quite quickly. Two LPA because there are two parts of your life, your finances and your health and well-being. And recently, during Covid, lots of people have found that by having in place only a financial LPA, their attorneys were unable to make decisions about their care. Their attorneys were unable to move their loved ones from care homes as things unfolded. So that's perhaps the most important thing to recognize. Oh, we have joint bank accounts. That's great. Lots of couples have joint bank accounts. Even if you hold a joint account, you could face issues getting to cash. In fact, banks often freeze accounts to protect the vulnerable person. So having a joint bank account is no guarantee or no solution to saying you don't need your um, lasting power of attorney. To protect yourself against becoming unable to manage your financial affairs and to make informed decisions about your long-term health, you should have in place your financial LPA. So as Maxine came to the end of the session, she left the couple to reflect upon whether they do need or want an LPA. And I hope the couple make better decisions than some of the people who I've been speaking to during the recent period of lockdown, where because of the absence of an LPA, the care home has had the authority to make decisions for their loved ones, be it their mum, their dad, uncle or other loved ones. Perhaps those loved ones remembered someone like Maxine made a decision, but made a decision at the time because you know what it's like sometimes, we plan to do things but we don't or sometimes we know best until the allotted time. It just reminds me of Michael Schumacher who was fit and healthy and because of an accident, he ended up in a wheelchair. I hope that you've reflected upon the LPA story And it's reminded me of Proverbs 12, verse 15. And this goes like this, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And that's really the LPA story. However, as we're fast approaching the close, with a few minutes on the clock, I can see some six or so minutes. Um, Let's turn to some of the questions that's coming about LPAs so we can address those because those are quite interesting and might give you further insight to LPAs. The first question I can see is, aren't LPAs for older people? Aren't LPAs for older people? No, it's not. That's a common myth that people say it's only old people who get dementia. Well, LPAs are not just for dementia. You can lose capacity quite easily, as I've said repeatedly before, like Michael Schumacher, by having an accident. It's quite common. who plays dangerous sports. Someone goes out in a car accident. yet yeah, who has a car accident, can return without capacity lost capacity they need not be a senior person so let's move away from this myth and let's dispel it right here and now that an LPA is not just for senior citizens okay second question my dad is 79 and lives by himself since mum died he has a will does he need an LPA he has a will does he need an LPA Well, dad is 79. He lives by himself and that's really great. However, at some point, like myself or any of us, dad may lose capacity. And it's important that it might be prudent and wise for dad to have in place an LPA. So in case and when that day comes, decisions can be made for dad by his loved ones. In fact, decisions can be made by for dad by the people dad chooses now to be his attorney. So by having a lasting power of attorney in place, dad can choose who makes the decisions for him when he cannot. The third question I can see here is, if mum is in a care home, can she make an LPA? Well, the question is, I would ask the caller, the person who wrote this into me is um, does mum have capacity in the care home at the moment because if mum has no capacity the answer is quite clear she can't make an LPA however if mum has got capacity yes by all means she can make an LPA and it's a great strategy to do so because it gives her attorneys Often, her loved ones the rights to make decisions for mum when she can't and we've seen this time and time again i'll reiterate during lockdown that your loved ones who have been in care homes have no lpas in place so therefore the care homes have been making decisions about their health and well-being because in the absence of a lasting power of attorney family members loved ones cannot do so for them i see my take my last question and it says um my dad has been recently assessed and was told he has alzheimer's can he still make an lpa this is one of those sad questions i meet time and time again and sadly the short answer is no if dad has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he has lost capacity, dad is unable to make an LPA. What dad can do, he can apply uh, through the courts with some deputy for a court of protection order. And that's quite different. And that's quite a costly process for dad. On that last question, that brings us sadly to the end of this week's session, I hope our little story about the three letters LPA has resonated with you. Be mindful of the second half of that Proverbs 12:15 verse: "The wise listen to advice." I'll be back next month for another topic, or story or helping of financial matters. Until then, it's goodbye for me, Finance Day, and stay safe until next month on UGN Jams urban gospel network radio have a good day
0: you've been listening to finance dave with financial matters for more information call 0208 670 0917 or email david at marcus-bishop-associates.co.uk
1: This is UGN Jams.
0: You're about to listen to Finance Dave with Financial Matters, sponsored by Mark Bishop Associates, where it's never about how much. But how well
1: Hi there listeners, welcome to Financial Matters with me, Finance Dave on your very own UGN Jams Urban Gospel Network Radio. And thanks for joining us today on Financial Matters. This is your financial monthly show. Each month where I shall be exploring some of the financial matters that impact and affect our daily lives. And isn't that the case as we all begin to move out of lockdown and enter the most painful recession of all time? and take a look at some of your financial queries that I've been presented with recently. So, that's the Financial Matters menu for today's session, and each month as we meet here on Eugen Jam's Urban Gospel Network Radio. However, before we start today's session, which I've called Is My Pay Right? and we'll see later on, I just want to provide some biblical context for financial matters. And I want to do so using one of my favorite verses from the Bible from 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 and it goes as follows for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs this popular verse is so often misquoted why because that all-important third word love is often omitted So please remember the verse states for the love of money and not money and is often incorrectly quoted. Okay, so let's start our journey in today's theme which we said is, is my pay right? For most of us, we rely on that weekly wage or monthly salary from our employer. So in short, it's our lifeline. Therefore, it needs to be correct to do all the things we want it to do plus lots more of the others. But the question we all face is, is the amount we get to take home correct? Moreover, do we know it's right? It must be right, we say, because it's the same every month. Well, sometimes it may not be correct. And this may be for a variety of reasons. I know some of you listeners may be thinking, how's that possible? We'll see as we unravel in today's session. But just stop for a moment and ask yourself, when did I last review my payslip? There's a fault. I know a review may not be necessary because it never changes, you say. It's same every month, but have you ever thought it could be the same every month, but this same every month is not correct? Let me share with you a little secret. I have met many taxpayers whose payslips have been the same every month, but, Yes, but that take-home pay has been consistently wrong. Often, they've been taking home less money than they should have. And in the rare cases, taking home more money than they're entitled. So never think, because the same amount goes into the bank each month, that your pay is totally correct. Laziness or comfort zone can cost. So let's see how this can be the case. I want to firstly look at your hourly rate. For some employees paid an hourly rate, especially our frontline staff such as domestics, bar staff and couriers, you may want to ask yourself several questions. Is my hourly rate compliant with the law? How would I know? What is legally compliant hourly rate? Well, to answer these three questions, I will say three words. National minimum wage yes the national minimum wage if you're employed on an hourly rate contract the starting point for you is the national minimum wage this means your employer should at least be paying you no less than the minimum wage based on your age you may be raising your eyebrows or shaking your shoulders thinking what is the national minimum wage i've never heard of it well, to be fair, let's explore that. The national minimum wage is a wage that's set for the go- by the government and it's based upon our age. But the adult national minimum wage, i.e. the wage for anybody aged 24 and above is £8.72. And this wage is set every year on the 1st of April. At the bottom range of the wage is the apprentice wage weight which is £4.15 and just for your comfort the rate does change every year so last year the rate was £8.21 for an adult over 24 so now that you know you can get at your wage slip from its safe storage vantage point or on your employer's portal and check for yourself this is a simple task or a simple test that's worth doing every now and again or at least once a year. So let's now turn to your take home pay. So I hear you say, I'm not hourly paid, so it doesn't matter. Does that mean your pay slip's always right? Not necessarily, why not? Well, let me explain. And let's go back to that old game we just played. Let's review your pay slip. This review is not for the hourly rate though, because we really already established you're not an hourly rate payer. This time, our focus is different. Our focus is on your tax code. What did Finance Dave say? Your tax code. Yes, that five digits or two digits code on your payslip. Your take home or your net pay is driven by your tax code. This is the often neglected or overlooked item by many employees and pensioners, yet they know how much they receive each month or each week, although it may be wrong. Isn't that just amazing? We're often content on the same amount each pay period, although it may be totally wrong. For me, this is most concerning. Why? Because your tax code determines your take-home pay. So, what is this tax code we're looking at? In short, it's the five digits code that appears in your payslip. For some employees, it may be only two digits. It's the basis for determining how much tax you pay each month, and moreover, how much money you get to take home. In short, it determines yours and my financial lifestyle. So in my eyes, it's super, super important. Well worth a review. Every now and again, at least once a year. Why? Because the wrong tax code can result often in an underpayment of income tax or an overpayment of income tax, which will mean less money in your pocket. Your tax code or our tax code is based upon each of our annual personal income tax free pay allowance. Your tax code is also derived from your annual tax free pay income from the year. This is the annual earnings that the government says you're allowed to earn before you pay income tax. And for this year, this financial year 2020 to 2021, that threshold is £12,500, not a lot. This means each taxpayer can earn £12,500 before they start paying income tax. Each individual's tax code is personal to them and their own set of circumstances. This explains why it's often highly wrong or wholly wrong to compare yourself to another taxpayer, whether they be your spouse, your partner, friend or foe. In tax, everyone is running their own race. That's why it's so important not to start your concerns with comparing yourself to so-and-so or Mr. or Mrs. X, Y, or Z. It's wholly relevant. Tax is a personal thing and we all are running our own personal race. This explains why your tax code will often differ from your best friend or your neighbor. Your tax code may differ from the standard tax-free code in any tax year for various reasons. Three of those reasons may be as follows. It may be the case that you had tax arrears from previous years, and Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC, are collecting these via your tax code. It may be that during your employment, you're receiving benefits in kind, such as a company car or medical insurance. Alternatively, you may be receiving income That's not tax at source. So these might explain why your tax code differs from the standard, or why your tax code differs from anybody else. Because your tax code is personal to yourself. Also, your tax code may be expressed in three ways, or in various ways. Three of these are as follows. They may end with a letter. They may start with a letter or they may just be letters only. So for example, we might be having tax code that ends in letter 1250L, and that tells us you're entitled to the standard tax-free personal allowance for the year. As in 2020, 2021, 12,500 pounds. Your tax code may begin with a letter such as DO, and that tells us all your income from this employment and pension is being taxed at a higher rate because you fully consumed your personal allowances. Or your tax code may just be letters like BR and BR is often referred to as the emergency tax code because it means all your income from this job or pension is being taxed at a basic rate. Usually, if you've got more than one job or pension. However, there is a special tax code known as OT, which some of you may come across. And that's often used when your personal allowance has been consumed or you're starting a new job and your employer has not yet received your complete tax records to assign you a tax code. So OT is often only a temporary tax code. We said your tax code 1250L is your standard tax-free tax code. What also, it also has another meaning. It tells us that you're a tax resident in the UK. Not true. You're a tax resident in England or Ireland, or to say England or Northern Ireland, because as a result of devolution in Scotland and Wales, they are in charge of their own taxes, and the tax codes are different in both Scotland and Wales but not greatly so. The difference that we'll notice is that they'll each have a prefix in front of the 1250L. In the case of Wells, the prefix is C, so it's C1250, and in Scotland it's S, so it's S1250. So however, if you're still unsure about your tax code, you can go online and check your tax code on the government website, which is www. Dot gov. UK. Alternatively, we can now turn to look at your P60 which also shows your tax code for the year. Your P60 is that annual statement that all employers are legally obliged to give to employees at the end of the financial year. And that must be received by each employee by the 31st of May. And what will it show? Well, your P60 often shows your annual earnings from your current employment, your annual earnings from any previous employment if you change employers or if you had changed employers during the financial year. Equally so, it will show you the respective taxes you paid in your current employment and in your previous employment. And a final pair of items found in a P60 your national insurance number and more importantly your final tax code for the year this brings me nicely to this week's first problem and the case of our taxpayer known as addy who gave me a p60 for last year 2019-20 and it was quite interesting what it showed in reading through addy's p60 i noticed her final tax code was 1185L. Well, that may not sound quite major, but when I tell you that the tax code last year for standard tax code was 1250L, you'll see, or you may not see, the issue. Uh, in Addie's case, she may have paid too much income tax. I say may have paid, rather than has paid, because the tax code may be correct because Addy may have underpaid tax in previous years. We cannot say for sure until we've done our research into her tax history. And that involves at least two steps. First of all, contacting her employer to try and obtain, if possible, an explanation for her final tax code, 1185L, as opposed to 1250L because it it may be the case that her employer cannot explain because often employers only act on information they receive from HMRC. If they can't explain that will lead us to the next stage and that's contacting HMRC and to ask them why was Addy's tax code reduced. Whilst this may seem a simple task I can assure you this may and probably will take us several months to resolve Friday. Because although tax may be only three letters, tax queries are never as simple or as straightforward as taxpayers may think or believe. And just in case you've just tuned in, I want to remind you that you're tuned into UGN Jam's Urban Gospel Network Radio with me, Finance Dave, and Financial Matters. And we're moving in to the final session of today's show. And in this final session, I want to take a look at personal tax account and address our final tax problem as well too. So let's see what has personal tax account got in store for us. You're probably thinking, what is your personal tax account? Well, let me first start by saying, it's nothing to do with your self-assessment. That's wholly separate but your personal tax account was introduced by the government, so I say, sorry, by HMRC in 2015. It was part of their initiative to move the tax system into the digital age for ease of communication with us, the taxpayer. Every taxpayer, yes, every taxpayer should and can set up their own personal tax account to access and view HMRC information online. So it's all digital. Your personal tax account allows you to manage your tax affairs through a single location and reduce direct contact with HMRC. Moreover, your personal tax account may be used for three key tasks. You can use it to review your personal tax position on a yearly basis and submit your own tax returns. You can also use it to check the status of your national insurance contributions and to assure they're up to date so you're on course for your state pension. And I cannot emphasize how important that is, especially for people like myself who are in touching distance of retirement age. And finally, you can use it to notify HMRC of any changes in your home address. So this takes me nicely to our second and final problem. And for this problem, we return to taxpayer Addy, who recently had a problem with a P60. Well, in fact, the P60 was the least of Addy's woes, because last week she gave me a copy of her personal tax account. And it made quite interesting reading, because it immediately highlighted a problem. And I'll share that with you. However, Before you think I'm breaching GDPR or any confidentiality rules, Addie has given me full authority to share her case with you. Why? Because Addie was keen to help others, uh, to make sure others don't fall foul of what she found herself in. And uh, let me tell you what it was. Her printout showed that since 2011 2012, Addie has underpaid each year national insurance contribution. This therefore means she will not qualify for full state pension at retirement age. Why? Because our state pension is based on not your tax payment, but your national insurance payment. Moreover, to qualify for state pension, you must have paid 35 years of national insurance, not 30 years, as some people seem to think, that was the old system. That was changed in 2016. I wonder how many people were actually aware of this little change from 30 years to 35 years. I will say, if you had registered for your personal tax account and you had engaged with your personal tax account, this would be no surprise to you. But to be fair, it was circulated in the press but it was probably hidden or overtaken by all that Brexit noise in 2016, perhaps, maybe. Nevertheless, to receive any form of state pension, a minimum of 10 years nationally insurance contributions must be made. So that's why nine years underpayment by Addy is so critical. And that's why, had she not checked her PTA a few weeks ago, and showed me last week, she would not be none the wiser. Addie would not have known that her NI contributions were short and her state pension was at risk. This does concern me and does beg some further questions. How many of our listeners have engaged or not engaged with their personal tax accounts? How many of you also have shortfalls in your National Insurance Contributions. Are you aware of this? Or how many of you are sitting on this ticking pension time bomb, which means when you come to retire, you will not be receiving a full state pension because of shortfalls in your National Insurance Contributions, and it will blow up on retirement. Never fear, it's never too late. So let's act now if that's you. If you have yet to do so, sign up for your PTA, your personal tax account. Unless of course, you are 100% certain that you have full knowledge of all your tax affairs and you are fully up to date. You don't wanna get a shock when you come to retire because whereas you can act now, tomorrow it may be too late So, what can we do now? The most important thing, I will say, or the call to action for you right now, is to probably sign up to your personal tax account. It's not difficult, it's very simple. All we need to do is go to the internet and log on to www.gov.uk forward slash personal hyphen, tax, hyphen, account. I'll say that again for you slowly. Go to the internet, log on to www.gov.uk forward, personal, hyphen, tax, hyphen, account. And to complete the process, you need to ensure you also have review your latest P60 and also your national insurance number because you will need those as you go through to verify yourself and complete the process online. That way, you'll be able to take charge of your financial affairs and that way, more importantly, you can check whether you're up to date with your national insurance contributions so you don't run the risk sitting on that pension time bomb when it comes to retirement or as you near retirement age is as such sadly this brings us to the end or near the end of today's show and we've been looking at is your pay right is the money you take home right is the money you get to lead your financial right lifestyle right and just to recap we've looked at the pay slip In particular, we've looked at, is your hourly pay right? And we've looked at that from a context of, yes, the hourly rate, and those three words were national minimum wage. We have also looked at your tax code to see if that's right, your P60, but more importantly, we've looked at your personal tax account. And as we've seen from our problem, it's so easy To go about our business to be unaware of our problem unless we get involved so as i said to you do check out your personal tax account on the government website and it can help you in the same way it has helped Addie to put her affairs right so until next month what i'll say to you is have a great day have a wonderful month ahead and i'll see you next month with another menu of financial matters and until then it's goodbye from me financial dave and i want to leave you with three words and three letters e s s everyone stay safe hope you had fun see you next month over and out
0: You've been listening to Finance Dave with Financial Matters. For more information, call 0208 670 0917 or email david at marcus-bishop associates.co.uk.